mad about it or is he mostly just playing with it? Because I can't really tell sometimes. I'm like, oh gosh, he may leave the church over this. So we're in the middle of this sermon series that we started two weeks ago called Find Well, I don't know what we're calling it. Why? Finding our whys, whatever. And instead of finding one singular why, I think that maybe within us and our faith it's important to find our why. Like why do we come to church? That's what we talked about last week. Why are we here? And then how do we share that passion we have with other people? So we talked a little bit about witnessing. Remember, I was talking about how in the Methodist church, there are five things that we think if you do these five things, you will grow in your faith, but more importantly, you will grow into the person that God has created, God has created us to be. I'm saying you like I'm part of you. I'm not trying to point fingers, right? Like we will grow into who God has created us to be. And those five things are prayer, presence, gift, service, and witness. And the scariest of those things, I think for most of us, is witnessing because we have this experience, most of us have, of like people knocking on our doors saying, you're probably going to go to hell if you die tonight. Let me convince you why. And I'm like, listen, I'm a pastor. And they're like, so let me keep trying to tell you why. You know, like there's never a good enough answer because, because they love us. That's the reality of it. They're trying to show love for us, the people who do their witnessing that way. But I was saying last week, it should be relational and it should be natural for us. And it should be invitational, like inviting people into life with us. And then it should come from our why. And we practice learning what our why was for being here. And so... To back up a little bit and review of this idea of a why, Simon Sinek is this guy who does TED Talks and he's kind of a famous talker. And um, he gave a talk at TED one year about the golden circle and it's three concentric circles and the center one is why and then it's, and then it's how and then it's what. And he was talking about how most people start with the what and then they move one circle in and go to the, to the how and then they move one circle in and get to the why. And he said they're the most successful companies, the most successful leaders start with their why. So he uses the example, two, two big examples, Martin Luther King Jr. And then also he uses the example of Apple Computers. And so Apple Computers starts with the why of to be a disruptive force that kind of rethinks everything and, and tries new crazy concepts, right? Like that is their purpose for existing. That is their why. Now, what they do, is they just happen to make really well-designed computers that work. And they do that so well that we're willing to buy telephones from them, and we used to be willing to buy MP3 players from them, and all sorts of manner of things that have to do with technology, we're willing to buy from them because their why is so passionate and they're so good at it that their what we're interested in, or their what they're interested in, and then their how is, would you like to buy one? And he says that people will buy your why. They won't necessarily buy your how or your what. And so when we think about our faith, it's not really about selling something, but it is about like finding our purpose, our calling, like the important things in our lives. And why would we ever do that? So last week we talked about gathering as a community. And then how do we share that? If we think prayer, presence, gift, service, and witness are the themes, why would we ever witness? This week, we're going to talk about maybe, in reality, the one I get the most questions about, 
those biases and not to pray. I want to read you, uh, read with you a passage from the book of Luke. This is chapter 11, starting with verse 1. And so if you're a person that likes to follow along in your Bible, I'll give you time, Roger, to get to Luke chapter 1. But anybody else, uh, when I, I used to say when I hear the rice paper stop shuffling, I'll start reading. But now it's like when I see you like, look up at me from your phone, I'll start reading. It's also on the screen behind chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Looks like we're ready. Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus told them, well, when you pray, say, Father, uphold your holiness, uh, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who has wronged us. Don't lead us into temptation. He also said to them, imagine that one of you has a friend, and you go to that friend in the middle of the night. So that's hard for some of you to imagine you have a friend. Just kidding. Hope I didn't hurt anybody. Imagine that one of you has a friend, Go to that friend in the middle of the night. Imagine saying, friend, loan me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. Imagine further that he answers from within the house, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I assure you, even if you wouldn't get up and help because of his friendship, he will get up and give his friend whatever he needs because of his friend's brashness. And I tell you, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives, whoever seeks finds, to anyone who knocks the door is open. Which father among you would give a snake to your child if the child asked for a fish? If a child asks for an egg, what father would give a child a scorpion? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is the word of God for the people of God. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. And may God give us wisdom and courage as we try to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. going to reference uh, several passages this morning, uh, and I, I won't necessarily give you all of the reference points, but you can just kind of, if you're a person who takes notes, you know, write down like the story and then, and then look it up later, I promise. I'm not going to lie to you or make up that something's in the Bible that's not. I, I hope you trust me enough to know that I won't do that to you. I, I love this Luke chapter 11 story where um, God is like an irritated neighbor. When I was a kid growing up, next door to us lived Crazy Andy. He was an irritating neighbor. One night, he comes knocking on the door, not asking for bread, but knocking on the door, waking us up to tell us a tree is on fire in our backyard. And it was, I looked out the window, I could hear my dad talking to the guy through the door, and I was like, a tree is on fire? And I look out, 
Sure enough, there are fire trucks in our alley, our tree in our backyard is on fire, it was blowing up against the tree, uh, a high line wire and rubbed the insulation off and caught the tree on fire and the fire truck pulled up. So it's really awesome, right? Like this irritating neighbor lets us know something good is going on. So when I hear this story, I think of Crazy Annie, knocking on the door in the middle of the night, wanting to let us know that somebody broke into his house and stole a fifth of whiskey. He did that one time also. <laughs> because, well, he was Crazy Annie. All of us have that friend that is irritating and calls on favors when we don't want them to call on us for a favor. And some of us are that friend who calls on friends for a favor when we know it's not really the most opportune time for them, but they're our friend and so they put up with us anyway. And some of us have relatives that are like that. They call on us at the most inopportune times. Now, I don't happen to have any relatives like that, but some of us might be the relative who is like that. It calls on our relatives at the most inopportune times. I don't think I'm that, but who knows? We'll have to ask my relatives. Jesus says we should be like that when we pray. Ask, seek, knock, stick with it, be the irritating neighbor, be the relative that's pesky and just won't leave you alone, keeps calling on you for more and more and more. Jesus says to do that. One of the things I know about you all after two years of having conversations with you and being in Bible studies with you and answering your emails and sitting in my office and talking to you and standing outside and talking to you is that a lot of you do a lot of praying for other people. And, and you think that like the holy and right way to pray is to pray for other people, but for some reason you don't really want to pray for yourself. Jesus says, pray for yourself. A lot. Like, just keep at it. Don't stop asking. And, and I want to say this to you. I think that we all pray, whether we think of it as praying or not. We pray for ourselves, and we pray in this way that, like, we recognize the Spirit of God around us, and we may not even realize that that's what we're doing. Like, think about when you see something incredibly beautiful. Some of you go out into nature and you see something beautiful and, and it like changes your heart all of a sudden. I don't get on my Facebook page very often and so I don't remember the pictures that are on there but I used to have a picture like the one that goes across the top kind of like a banner and it's me standing on a hilltop looking down at Ptarmigan Lake outside of Buena Vista, Colorado. And I remember like hiking up this hill to get to that spot and stopping and literally having my breath taken away from me. It was kind of like, like my breath caught in my chest because of how beautiful this place was. And there are greenback trout in there like that are this long and are really hard to catch also. That is prayer. When you feel that. Or what about some of you like when you watch fireworks when they explode over your head? You can't help but say, oh, that's prayer of a sort. Or what about the first time you look at a baby that you are in love with? Like instantly, it could be your niece, your nephew, your own children, your grandchildren, a great niece, a great nephew, a godchild, like whatever. When you look at them, 
and just all of a sudden you are full on head over heels in love with this little bitty person that all they do is cry and poop and sleep. <laughs> and the way you feel inside about them, that is prayer also. Or that stammer of pain that you have when you recognize someone else in pain. Or that stammer of joy that you have when you recognize someone else's joy. All of that is a form of prayer. They're just not spoken the way that we think they ought to be spoken. So it makes me wonder how many of us in our prayer lives have ever felt like that friend that's asking for an inconvenient favor from God. And a God saying, I don't really want to be disturbed right now. You know it's the middle of the night and I'm trying to sleep. Of course, most of us will ask for things when we truly, really need it. When you're waiting for a diagnosis from a doctor, you'll ask. When you're driving down the highway and you realize you're about to be in a wreck, you will ask. Or when you're pulling into the parking lot of a grocery store and you've got two toddlers in the back seat, you'll ask for an open spot close to the doors. And later on, you'll feel guilty about it. Why in the world would I ask God of all creation to open up a parking spot for me when I could just walk in holding one of them and holding the other one's hand, right? Like, I know that guilt that you feel because I've been there. But what it seems to me that Jesus is saying is keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep praying those prayers. Keep saying those things. Pray for yourself and pray for other people. Pray using words. Pray using silence. Recognize God in all of the things. Just keep at it. And it's all throughout the Bible. There's this other time where Jesus compares God to a judge who neither fears God nor respects people. And there's an older widow woman who has had something happen to her that's unjust, and she keeps going to this judge, this, this judge who is unrighteous, and saying to the judge, give me, give me justice. And the judge is like, go away, old lady. Give me justice. She comes back the next day, go away, old lady. Give me justice. Go away. It just keeps going on and on and on until finally this judge who is unrighteous goes, this lady will not stop coming and pestering me. And it's getting embarrassing. Just give her what she wants. And we think of that as kind of like, like if you're picturing a movie in your mind, at least I think of it typically as like a drama. It's something bad has happened to this woman. But also it can be really comical. Like think about some neighbor in the middle of the night. Hey, can I have three loaves of bread? That's like your neighbor coming to you. Can I have six eggs? at two in the morning. Only crazy drunk Andy does that. So why pray? Why pray? That's what we're trying to talk about this morning is the why. And I'll, I'm not typically the kind of pastor who tries to tell you what to believe. I would rather you discover what you believe and why you believe it if that happens through my preaching or through my questions or if I say something that causes you to question something more and you get there on your own, that's what I want to do. But I'm going to take the risk this morning and I'm going to tell you what I wish you believed about prayer. Is that okay? 
You don't have to agree with me. But I wish that you believed that prayer was about connecting your heart with God's heart. Not necessarily about what you can get out of that relationship or what God gets out of that relationship, but just being in relationship with God. That is what prayer is about. Just like a good marriage isn't about what each other get out of it, it's about the actual relationship. Just like good parenting isn't about like what you get from your kids or what your kids get from you, it's about forming this bond and this relationship that gets you through a lot of different times in your life. Just like good friendships aren't about who gives and who gets, it's about the relationship that is formed. That's what prayer is about. You ask a lot of questions about prayer. Why should we pray? Should we pray out loud? Should we pray quietly? Should we pray in a contemplative manner? Should we pray for our meals, every meal, even the ones at restaurants? Why would we pray for a meal anyway? Like all of these things are what people talk to me about and I just wanna say like, yes. The answer to all of that is yes, pray. Because prayer is about connecting our heart with the heart of God. Several years ago, when we lived in Abilene, Texas, and we're planting a church, we started up this ministry with the International Rescue Committee, the IRC. Anybody know the IRC? You all should know about the IRC, and you should all donate money to the IRC around Christmas time. For real, it is an amazing ministry. Einstein was one of the founding members of it. It's really old, and what they do is they resettle refugees all around the world in different places. It's a global organization. There are over 1,500 refugees from African nations war-torn nations in Abilene, Texas. And the majority, like 98% of the women who are refugees suffer from PTSD. And so when we discovered that, and just kind of through a series of weird connections that happened with God and relationships that I was forming, we started this ministry with the IRC called the New Roots Farm. And it was just kind of a large-scale gardening program where primarily women who were refugees could plant foods that they wanted to eat from their native country. Imagine being a New Mexican living in Texas where red chili is like Frito pie. So I could relate with these people. I was basically living in another country and they were wanting to eat food from their home and they would go to the grocery store and they couldn't find the ingredients they wanted and they would go to the African grocery stores and they could get some of what they wanted but there were other things that they were missing. And one of the things we decided to do to raise money for this program was to plant a big pumpkin patch. And we were like, we can plant this pumpkin patch and these pumpkins will grow and then we can do this come pick your own pumpkin kind of thing and have a festival around it and all that. So these pumpkins were growing, everything was going well. And, um, but to get them to grow, we had to water them, right? Like plants need to be watered and lo and behold, there was no water and there was even no water spigot on this. We did it anyway. And we got enough money together to have a water meter put in, and we strung out hoses, and we decided we had to start watering these pumpkins. And so we divided up the work amongst the church. And I remember the first day I went out there, where, between where I parked and where you get the water hose to go water the plants, it just like, was like the most snake-infested place ever. And I had my two kids with me and my dog, and I was like, kids, follow me. Dog, go on ahead, and I'll follow. And so we start walking, and I'm walking through tall grass and mesquite bushes and all kinds of stuff, worrying about snakes. We 
we water the stuff, we walk back. You can see where we had kind of beat down the grass a little bit and we walked back on the same path. And somebody else went that afternoon and they walked the same path. And somebody else went that next day and they walked the same path. And the next time I went, the path was completely beaten down and it was wide and you could walk on it and see if there were snakes that you were about to step on. That's prayer. Prayer is beating down the path between your heart and the heart of God. That's it. And the reason why we beat down that path is because when we are more connected with God, we live a better life. We live a better life. It doesn't mean life is better. It doesn't mean everything goes right for us. But our hearts are in a place where we can accept the things that aren't going perfect. So the how is just keep doing it. And if you're like, how, how do I pray? Talk to yourself. Talk to yourself about your life. Talk to yourself about the things that are going good. Talk to yourself about the things that are going bad. Talk to yourself about who you want to be. Talk to yourself about your friends. Talk to yourself about your enemies. Talk to yourself about the things that matter to you because probably if you don't, you will forget what matters to you. Just keep talking to yourself and believe that somebody is listening besides yourself. Believe it and believe in miracles. Believe that God still works and still does things that we can't under understand and we can't imagine. There was this one time that a guy comes to Jesus and is like, Jesus, my son keeps having seizures. He's falling down and he's about to fall into the fire so many times. I'm really concerned about it. Would you please do something? And Jesus shows up and the kid falls down and starts having a seizure. And Jesus is like, how long has he been doing this? Where if it were me, I'd be like, dude, I don't care. Like, why do you care? Just do something. Would you please? And Jesus says, all things are possible to those who believe. And the man says, I do believe, and then speaks for all of us when he says, but help my unbelief. So what if the boy doesn't get healed? What's prayer about in that situation? I don't know. I don't know why Sometimes we pray for some people to be healed and they get healed, and sometimes we pray for people to be healed and they don't get healed. I don't know why. And anybody who tries to tell you they do know why, they're just guessing. But here's what I know, is that if we beat down the path between our heart and God's heart, the why of why people are healed and aren't healed doesn't matter as much because we are staying in relationship with So should you pray in a meditative way? Absolutely. Should you pray loud and standing up? Most definitely. Should you pray with your eyes closed and your mouth open? For sure. Should you pray with your eyes open and your mouth closed? Absolutely. Should you pray sitting down? Uh-huh. Should you pray lying down? Uh-huh. Should you pray while you're driving? Should you pray while you're walking? Should you pray before you take a test? You pray after you take a test, like just pray. All day long, every day, beat down that path between your heart and God's heart, because in doing that, 
you know God. And you know yourself. And there's something that happens that changes us. And I'll tell you a story, a quick story, about how I believe being in a relationship with people and being in a relationship with God changes me. And you're going to be able to judge me a little bit on this one. So this last Tuesday, I had taken Elise to school up in Oyante, and I was driving back down to my house to pick up Emery. I think it was Wednesday, it wasn't Tuesday. And I'm, you know, there's all this construction happening on the bridges right here. And I was going over the bridges, and people get so crazy when traffic is bad. And so traffic was backed up, and I got, I was four, three cars from the, from the traffic signal going uh, down the hill, and we were backed up. And I'm looking, I'm looking at the construction workers thinking like, man, I hope people drive slow because these guys are really close to a lot of traffic. And all of a sudden I hear this really loud boom. And then a few seconds later, boom. And then a few seconds later, it's right by me. And I look and there is a car going between me and the barrier and hitting all of the orange barrels. And they get to the intersection and they go through the intersection. Now I'm the kind of guy who likes to teach lessons while I'm driving. <laughs> you must know people like that. <laughs> and so I get my phone out and I'm like, I'm going to catch up to this car and I'm going to take their, take a picture of their license plate and I'm calling them in for the cops. This is ridiculous. They put all of us in danger. And so this car gets to the intersection of Main Street and Elks and starts to turn right and I can see them. There are two cars ahead of me and I'm like, I'm going to cut her off because she had to stop like there were cars in front of her found out it was a her. And so I turned by the old burger time, and I'm gonna get to that street and go down and I cut her off to get behind her and take her picture. But when I get there, she's coming up the street right to me and I'm like, perfect. This worked out just perfect. Thank you, Lord. And she goes past me and I turn right and I get behind her and I have my phone out and I flip it up to take a picture. And then this big dually construction truck comes up next to her, slams on their brakes, throw it in reverse, and they start backing up chasing her, and they cut her off, and the construction guys get out, and this lady gets out of the car, and she's trembling, and she's crying, and she's like trying to do something with her phone. And I promise, I'm not trying to be the hero of this story, but I believe, because I'm trying hard to beat down that path, that the Spirit of God said, what happened to her? Was somebody chasing her? Is she in an emergency situation? Did her brakes stop working? Like, what's going on with this woman? And I just put my phone away and thought the construction guys are going to take care of this. I said a prayer and drove off. I promise you two years ago, before I knew all of you, I would have been like, I don't care what's happening to her. You don't get to endanger people. There is no excuse for that. I'm sending this in right now. But now I'm worried about her and I wish I knew who she was so that I could check on her. Friends, beat down the path between your heart and God's heart. It gives us patience. It gives us understanding. It helps us to empathize. It helps us to love better. It helps us to do what the kids and I were talking about, love 